Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Plus, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, welcome everyone to another episode of the Rocket MSP podcast. Let me get my microphone a little closer here. Uh, hi, I'm Steve Taylor. I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Rob Turner from Lead Foot Technology Group. And Rob, I'm sorry, man. I owe you an apology because uh, I, I'd love to blame like you know, somebody else or autocorrect. But, um, when I, when I made, when I made the graphic, uh, I did not double check for any grammatical errors. And apparently I've been advertising lead food technology <laughs> group for weeks. I'm sorry, man. It, you know, it, it's, it's okay. I talked to a partner about it this morning and, uh, luckily one of our, um, uh, uh, guys that we've worked with in the past as a contractor pointed it out to us. So I was able to tell you, but <laughs> you know, it, it's a great conversation piece. Cause you know, as we all try to go faster, it's easier to make more mistakes and, uh, it sure it, is. It, it's kind of synergistic with why we exist anyway. So no problem. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> so Leadfoot technology group. Um, I, I, I think I gave you a hard time about your logo. Um, yeah, because you know, Leadfoot, I, I think of, the um uh someone driving fast right they're you know pedal to the metal but then you've got like a foot with uh wings for the logo yes so can you explain that yeah so i i'm really glad we got to have that conversation last time because it, it helped go back into our marketing and i think you may have seen some things tweaked because of that you know we've dealt with uh, a lot of different companies with different mindsets. And sometimes the simplest things are the hardest. Uh, the simpler you can make something, the more effort went in the background. So um, uh, what our goal was with the concept was we know people want to go faster. Businesses need to go faster. Productivity needs to be faster. And that can be overwhelming to a lot of people. And we help do the heavy lifting. And it was great talking to, with you about that because you once you got what we were trying to do, you gave us that feedback. And that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of, kind of what our concept is. Everything we do is to help our customers go faster. And, and so can you, can you tell me a little bit about what Leadfoot technology group does like big picture? Yeah. So we have a deep history in working with, um, uh, OEM technologies that you would traditionally find in, uh, bigger products as a checkbox. And, while we've got some awesome experiences there, what we found is a lot of the MSP partners that I've worked with in the past, um, they don't know that these things exist already 
that can help them directly. So they don't have to wait on a product to get to market. They don't have to buy it from someone else. You know, um, they can use it and control the margin on that themselves. Okay. And, and like, what kind of technology are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you're going to get me a, a MacBook Pro that's my own brand? Like, No, no, no. So uh, SD-WAN uh, or software-defined networking, it's, it's unfortunately been kind of a contaminated marketing uh, word for uh, a while now. Uh, but there's really three subsets of technology in the, the group that we work with that um, is SD-WAN. It makes mm-hmm. your uh, applications more resilient to failover by actually combining uh, two completely different internet connections. Um, WAN optimization uh, accelerates, deduplicates, and uh, optimizes the connection. So you can do you know, 10 times as much with uh, the bandwidth that you have, whether it's combined with an SD-WAN product or not. Uh, Netify uh, is a network uh, diagnostic tool that can give you some deep packet inspection type of um, visibility so that you can apply those other two technologies the right way so that it's not just one size fits all. Um, And we find that a lot of people ask the same exact question, but which one applies best to them as a solution is completely dependent on the scenario they've got. And we we use uh, Netify to help guide us uh, with the other two products and give us concrete reasons to use the products versus just throwing it out there. Okay. So <clears throat> what what you're basically saying is I don't have to go to some of these, um, I'll just say hardware companies that are, that are offering SD-WAN type surface, uh, services and, and claiming that they're going to make the internet faster, safer, better, right. stronger, whatever, right? We, we can just come to you and we can build our own? You can build your own in, in the sense you want to integrate these three different ways. We've, we've got uh, different customers integrating them different ways. Uh, sometimes it's dependent on a billing system that they want to integrate it with or a product or a piece of hardware that they want to combine two of the three things on. So while that's definitely an option, all three of them stand alone as individual pieces. So having the ability to deploy those without the big upfront commitments for one Hmm. and also not being roped into something that has a long-term commitment. um, That's part of why we started this, you know, uh, this also, does this give me the, I'll, I'll say freedom to start using like whatever hardware I want to use. Yeah. There, if you have a, little black box uh we've worked with lantern and quotom and you know a lot of the um, vendors that if you have a thousand sites you know you can become an oem partner for them and you can deploy this software on that type of hardware yourself Uh, if you need someone to manage parts of it in the cloud so that you just worry about deploying uh, a client on your windows or mac uh, that's fine too you know most of these things are bookshelf solutions so while a component does need to sit in the data center somewhere, the other side, the CPE side, it can be on a device of your choice. Um, but in the case of like Replify, it can reside directly on your Windows or Mac or Android device, which is is huge to get WAN optimization in a software-only client mode. You can probably you know think of you know, a lot of people that would help. So you don't have to 
put something in line to your existing network. You don't have to change anything. All right. So I'm going to write that down. Uh, Replify software to optimize WAN, because I need to come back to that. But first, I need to step back, because I'll be honest, um, I don't know exactly what you you wizards are selling with SD-WAN, okay? Because when I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I when I looked into this stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, a while back, um, I remember uh, there was this company that a lot of MSPs were were starting to uh, kind of uh, gravitate towards, and um, they they basically said that they're able to QoS quality of service the whole internet. Mm-hmm. So they're they're providing QoS to the whole internet, and like when when I saw the demo, like. It was it was a colleague of mine. Um, he he basically opened up like I don't know a hundred tabs of YouTube and right. let them all load, and just you got to see all of them load the video, and then everything else. Like right. you could tell, it's it's not that it, it it just like reorganized and reprioritized what things it thinks you want to get to first. Sure is is that is that SD WAN? Okay, so so. Before we talk about QoS or any features on top of the the base underlying component, SD-WAN is not just a dual WAN CPE function that sits on the customer site that can use ISP1 and ISP2. While that's a decent level of fault tolerance, there's no concept there of splitting packets over both connections or detecting anomalies on one connection and preferring the other. Uh, there's no resiliency there. If one goes down, your VoIP call is going to be interrupted. It may only be for a few seconds for things to re-register. It may be a minute, 60 seconds, depending on the firewall you're using. But that happens if that connection's interrupted, congested, or anything, whether you need QoS, any of those reasons. Uh, So SD-WAN is a way to connect two completely independent connections to a controller or a primary and a secondary controller in the cloud so that your public IP is actually there. That's what all the cloud services of today will actually see. They'll see that public IP that's provisioned in the cloud, and you might have two different pathways to get back and forth, and that CPE manages all that complex logic. If it's routing partial stuff over one or the other, you know, you've got 10 meg and 20 meg uh, connections that you're bonding together, you can actually get 30 meg because it's bonded. It's actually bonded. Okay. A dual WAN connection that's not truly a SD-WAN solution, you're only going to be able to get a max TCP stream of your highest link. Your fastest. Yes. Yeah. If you had 20 meg and 10 meg, you're going to be able to get, get 20 megabit per second per thread. And you'll be able to aggregate to 30, but you'll still have this disruption if things go down. So for businesses using VoIP, anything that is you know time-sensitive, um, that's where SD-WAN really shines. Um, live streaming, um, you know, things like this. You know, this would this context right here would be a perfect application for you to have um, the Ethica-based cloud access product. That if one connection went down, there's no nothing observed with the stream itself. You can go in later and see graphs and things about the event, some uptime. You can say, "Wow, that that saved you know five minutes of." jumping through hoops to get our podcast back, back up and going, having to reestablish a connection. 
that's what SD-WAN is that at its core, hmm. anything layered on top of that, whether it's QoS in either direction, WAN optimization, any of these other features, that's what SD-WAN is really supposed to be about. So <clears throat> that, that company, not that they misled me, but they were just only using a portion of what SD, SD-WAN is capable of. Sure. And then adding features and services on top of that to make a marketable product. Is that, basically. I don't know who you're talking about, so I can't give a technical assessment for sure, but I see that a lot. Um, I, and the products that do actual SD-WAN, like we're talking about, you know, your Velo Clouds, your Viptelas, the big guys, you know, you're either buying it through an ISP that's trying to uh, upsell one of the circuits as their own with an SD-WAN product on the back end in their own data center, but you're paying them margin. Um, they're in control of uh, that solution and you have just access to it and it's not cheap, you know, because they're com- competing against, you know, MPLS type of solutions, if you will. Um, but there are some guys that see it as uh, a few different things, um, whether it's automated VPN, whether it's MPLS replacement, um, the guys really do an SD-WAN. Um, they're not cheap to start with. And that's, that's part of what we're trying to change. It, it shouldn't take uh, a huge uplift to get started with these technologies. So <clears throat> I I just want to clarify, I'm not putting these guys down or saying they're doing something wrong or anything along those lines. I'm simply just trying to say, I don't know if I don't understand what they're doing versus what you're talking about, et cetera. So you've heard of OmniNet, formerly my digital shield, right? I, I am absolutely familiar with OmniNet and the underlying technology. So their website says SASE slash Elastic UTM meets SD WAN. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have no idea what words just came out of my mouth or what they mean, Rob. Please help me. Man, you ever see Good Morning Vietnam with uh, that scene where... Uh, <laughs> it's been a know, long time. Uh, well, that acronym, SOUP, is, uh, is common and, you know, Unified Threat Management, you know, SD-WAN does not mean that you don't need a firewall. You know, you're still going to have your Fortinet or, you know, Ubiquity or whatever platform you choose for your firewall behind it. Now, small, you know, scenarios, you can deploy it without it. But this is more meant as a a way for MSPs to get into the networking game. You know, they, they don't have to be dependent on an agreement with an ISP treating them as a channel partner and giving them, you know, single digit percentages or, uh, type of thing. This is a solution they can actually deploy. And the great thing about today is you've got everything from, you know, IBM, AWS, um, you know, uh, DigitalOcean. There's tons of places, you know, OVH, you can spin up a system and manage on your own. And the more that you can take on, the cheaper the solution gets. If you need to rely on us, we can help manage pieces of that. But um, depending on your in-house resources, uh, we can we can get incredibly com- competitive with the pricing. Hmm. All right. Um, so we talked about we, we talked about the OmniNet stuff. We talked about SD WAN. I'm now an expert. I don't even need you anymore, Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. So <laughs> what is what is SASE? Sure. Um, uh, SAS acceleration at the edge. I don't remember the exact acronym because it's it's okay. things people were doing. It's like cloud before you know people called hosted. You know, um, 
SACE is what Gartner is now pitching as the secure edge type of model. And uh, that, I think, is supposed to come with some of the NDPI uh, type of functionality so that you can, you can see better visibility to what's consuming my bandwidth, what's causing me to redefine QoS and do things the manual way instead of relying on some more modern automation of that. Um, it's trying to extend an enterprise model all the way to the edge where customers are now working from home, but they're still somehow under this managed umbrella that a common IT group is responsible for. Okay. And I do remember um, when we spoke, um, gosh, I took so many notes, I'm even having trouble finding it. So you mentioned that SD-WAN isn't the thing that's actually doing the QoS. Technically, even if an SD-WAN provider has a QoS function, it's a different function that's embedded on that device. And the thing that I've observed working with several big players now is you, you, their implementation of QoS does not necessarily give you what you're looking for. Um, sometimes it does, but not all the time. Um, so it really depends on how QoS is implemented on those solutions. The one that we've preferred to work with now implements things like Coddle that we've talked about in the past. Um, people, we really didn't get a clear understanding of all the problems that have come up around QoS until uh, we started working in the satellite world. And uh, I've got background from 2009 um, to 2015, where I was pretty heads down in the satellite world. And you're talking about, you know, you're not 50 or 100 millisecond type of latency, you know, which your gamers are intimately familiar with. You're talking about 650 milliseconds minimum. And we're granted, we're talking about, you know, life before Starlink, but even, you know, even that's half. Okay. But when you're talking to a, a craft 20,000 miles out in space, you've got to optimize that connection. You've got to help TCP function better in that world. And the problem on what most solutions have done with a terrestrial set of experience, you know, DSL cable modem, all that, they've created buckets where let's queue things up. You know, this is the standard QoS model that's broken, that is uh, implemented better with these other solutions that we work with. When you have these buckets where you're putting TCP packets in it, it doesn't matter if you're tail dropping it or all these other complicated details we can get into how it's managed, you end up with buffer bloat. And that's something you can easily Google and, and check out. And there's all kinds of articles talking about what buffer bloat is. And while you don't see it as bad in the cable in the DSL world, it's still impacting how that box is performing. You don't have to do all that. So you strip some of that out and you use things like Coddle and you're helping TCP work the way it was supposed to originally work just with some enhancements to make it work better instead of this concept of filling up a bucket and then it all overflowing and your box crawling because it's now strapped with you know, too much CPU and yeah. RAM usage. And and I remember that um, I, f I feel like that was part of that demo that at the time my digital shield was showing. In fact, if you go to the OmniNet website mm -hmm. um, and you look at the How It Works page, right? Uh, let's see. I swore I just saw the same like six year old picture on on one of these pages. Yeah, the OmniWan page. 
Right. So the Omni WAN page, you know, it shows like your internet and it looks like you got a bunch of cars trying to, to drive through a campground. Mm-hmm. And then, and then your internet with Omni WAN, you got a bunch of uh, super awesome cars driving on a, you know, six lane freeway. Right. So <clears throat> that's a, that's a good marketing, yeah, you know, perspective on, on getting the, the mentality through, but you know, think of it like this, when you click send on an email, um, if it takes one second or 10 seconds to finish that upload or download, mm-hmm. do you really care? Is that, is that, is that in your foreground? Is that, is that in the user's it's consciousness not. of whether it's fast or not? You don't, you don't really care. So what, what we've done in the past and what, you know, providers like Ethica's cloud access product has done is created a subset of rules where we describe applications now in a, uh, a foreground background in kind of a mid ground way, you know, VoIP, DHCP, all of these things that are critical, um, you know, they need to be prioritized a certain way versus background services. And one of the problems uh, just to exacerbate the, the issue uh, or expand on the issue. If you took the traditional QoS approach with streaming media, Netflix or Hulu, you can uh-huh. see this in a satellite environment. So if anybody's out there testing, we can show you tools to test with so you can really see this for yourself. And you make it think that you've got more bandwidth than you really do. Well, guess what they're going to do? You're, you're not going to get a 480 stream or, or a... You're going to get a 720. Or, yeah, you're going to send you a higher quality stream if they think you have more bandwidth. Exactly, exactly. So while it may look like you've got you know RAM, more bandwidth for a second or two or three, enough for a demo, it compounds the problem. So not only are you getting worse service as a user, you're consuming more bandwidth on the satellite provider side, and they're already struggling to try to maximize the bits they put through with the RF spectrum that, that they've got. Same thing with your mm-hmm. wireless guys. You know, they're trying to capitalize on how do I put more bits and bytes through that RF spectrum? Yeah, I'm close to getting my ham radio license so that I can speak more intelligibly in, in this arena, but uh, I do have enough RF background to understand this. Um, guys like Panasonic, which we've consulted with before, you know, they call it congestive collapse. You know, it's, hmm. it's buffer bloat. It's the same problem. So uh, doing QoS differently uh, makes a profound difference to where you can saturate a connection and new applications can go through and you don't see that latency go up when it happens. And that's one of the things that I love about like the Ethica product as a perfect example. If you have no visibility to how your latency floor changes when a user is using that connection, you're blind. You're, you're troubleshooting blind. And the MSP customers that I've consulted with in the past, the ones that we're working with on these products, no one likes to have a customer come to them and say, this has happened, you're managing my network, and it's still happening. And mm-hmm. all the MSP can do is call the ISP and rant about it. And it's impacting VoIP, it's in fact impacting Office 365, you know, all of these things that you know, users depend on. So if they can't see it, they can't troubleshoot it. They don't, they don't know when to grab additional data. If we can monitor that stuff, we can even queue some automated actions in order to capture that. And we've done in the past, this is why we love products that have a strong API so that we can add value to what they've already got. They give us a baseline product and we can implement this type of experience in it with our own portal to, to show you uh, additional stuff. If we see a anomaly on your network, that's the point you want to be doing a detailed trace route where you can see where in the network is the problem 
so that you can tell your ISP at this time of day, this happens, whether it's mm-hmm. an issue, whether it's a you know, quality issue, you know, you need to be able to give them that data or they're going to go through the same process over and over again. And you're going to talk to five people before you even get to the guy that can troubleshoot your issue. Gotcha. All right. I, I see a question. Um, I see that uh, Tara has asked, how does SD-WAN address the problem of QoS differently than older approaches? Okay, perfect. So I'm, I'm assuming, uh, and if, if this assumption is wrong, let me know. Um, if you put QoS on your CPE device, uh, whether it's PSense, OpenSense, you're, you're really only in control yourself of what you're sending out. And mm-hmm. PSense, OpenSense, they, they support Coddle at this point, so you can have better control over uh, what your downstream utilization is. But you still have some limitations because things have already been sent down the pipe, your direction, and they're being managed at your front door. If there's a flood of zombies at your front door, can you really do as much at that point versus if you manage them coming up the street in the data center? So with these bookshelf solutions where there is a controller in the cloud, you're managing it before it ever leaves the data center, before it ever comes across the connections and down to your last mile. So if you can prevent it there, your QoS policy is is infinitely more um, functional. So now, now we're gonna we're gonna try and take everything that you spoke about for the last twenty five minutes or so. We're gonna try and do. do you have kids? <laughs> Absolutely, uh, I've got a ten year old and a four year old, so I stay pretty busy. Okay, we're we're gonna pretend that uh, you're explaining this to your kids. Okay, so right. because I just need to make sure I get it, Rob. Okay, we, we're gonna we're gonna explain Absolutely. like you're five, and I'm I'm gonna start. I'm gonna say that. Um, what you're saying is that with SD-WAN, depending on what technologies you put out there in the data center before it even hits your internet connection, right? you have the ability to kind of control what data comes to you and in what order it comes to you. Right. And because you're controlling it out there, that's making it so that way your network hardware here, like at your office or home or wherever, it, it doesn't have to work as hard or whatever because the the actual work is being done out there at the data center. Correct. Yeah, you know the the best analogy I could give, uh, kind of alluded to it a second ago. Um, uh, my my son uh, plays a lot of Minecraft, and um, you get points for killing zombies and all that. And mm-hmm. whether you like Walking Dead or, you know, Minecraft, everything's zombie-oriented now. When you think about that as packets, right? They're just coming at you. You know, you requested mm-hmm. it and there's a flood, right? Well, if you can, you know, kind of control, you know, it's not at my front door, which is me on the last, the, this side of the last mile, but it's, we, we've got a, a gate that goes all the way out here to a larger area that's fenced off and we can control it that way now. Well, you're, you're not taking a risk of them, um, getting through in this critical area, you've already dealt with them upstream and now you're controlling them, letting them in one by one or at whatever pace that you want. And that's not to say that you can just leave the door open. Right. It's, it's just saying you don't need nine locks on the door. Well, it, this is true, but this is, this is the reason that we partnered with, with Netify and we love working with them for a lot of reasons, because when you start talking about QoS, there are a lot of countries and, and companies that, that 
don't have any limitations of what they can allow or block. So let's just say, you know, Facebook versus BitTorrent, you know, mm. maybe you do want to allow Facebook. You definitely want to allow Office 365, but maybe you do want to allow social media because it's part of your business, but you don't want to allow BitTorrent. And you definitely don't want to waste your time trying to QoS BitTorrent with DPI being integrated on these devices or upstream in the cloud. You can just block that stuff before it ever happens. And BitTorrent is traditionally been very hard to identify. When I worked at the cable company years ago, we used a system called Sandvine. And it was always a cat and mouse game of identifying that traffic to begin with. And then people started encrypting their connections. So it got even harder. And with Netify, you can identify the application level, even if it's encrypted, because there's signatures to these applications. The way they operate, there are things that you can look at, and their list of signatures is, is huge. So you implement that at the data center, you're now QoSing you know, 50% of what you would have tried to before, and this unidentified traffic or whatever, you don't, you don't have to even allow it all. So you're not wasting any cycles on that stuff. Hey, thanks for listening to part one. Be sure to check back tomorrow for the next episode. 